In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Beloved in the Lord, let us draw near with a true heart and confess our sins unto God our Father, beseeching him in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to grant us his forgiveness. Our help is in the name of the Lord, who made heaven and earth. I said I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Almighty God, our Maker and Redeemer, we poor sinners confess unto you that we are by nature sinful and unclean, and that we have sinned against you by thought, word, and deed. Wherefore, we flee for refuge to your infinite mercy, seeking and imploring your grace for the sake of our Lord Jesus Christ. O most merciful God, who has given your only begotten Son to die for us, have mercy upon us, and for his sake, grant us remission of all our sins. And by your Holy Spirit, increase in us through knowledge of you and of your will, and through obedience to your word, to the end that by your grace we may come to everlasting life, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, has had mercy upon us and has given his only Son to die for us and for his sake forgives us all of our sins. To those who believe on his name, he gives power to become the children of God and has promised them his Holy Spirit. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. Grant this, O Lord, unto us all. Amen. Call upon me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver you, and you shall glorify me. With my whole heart I cry, and answer me, O Lord. I will keep your Sabbath shoes. I call to you, saving me, that I may observe your testimonies. I rise before dawn and cry for help. I hope in your words. My eyes are awake before the watchers of the night, that I may meditate on your promise. Hear my voice according to your steadfast love. O Lord, according to your justice, give me. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and will be forever. Amen. Call upon me in the day of trouble, I will deliver you and you shall glorify me. Lord, have mercy upon us. Christ, have mercy upon us. Lord, have mercy upon us. Glory be to God on and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. We praise thee, we bless thee, we worship thee. We glorify thee, we give thanks to thee for thy great glory. O Lord God, heavenly King, God the Father of Almighty, O Lord, only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, O Lord God, Lord of God, Sovereign of our Father, that takes away the sin of the world, have mercy upon us. 
For this, the ninth Sunday after Pentecost, the Old Testament reading from the 18th chapter of Genesis. And then the Lord said, Because the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great and their sin is very grave, I will go down to see whether they have done altogether according to the outcry that has come to me, and if not, I will know. And so the men turned from there, and they went toward Sodom, but Abraham still stood before the Lord. And then Abraham drew near and said, Will you indeed sweep away the righteous with the wicked? Suppose there are fifty righteous within the city. Will you then sweep away the place and not spare it for the fifty righteous who are in it? Far be it from you to do such a thing, to put the righteous to death with the wicked, so that the righteous fare as the wicked? Far be that from you. Shall not the judge of all the earth do what is just? And the Lord said, If I find at Sodom fifty righteous in the city, I will spare the whole place for their sake. And Abraham answered and said, Behold, I have undertaken to speak to the Lord, I who am but dust and ashes. But suppose five of the fifty righteous are lacking. Will you destroy the whole city for lack of five? And he said, I will not destroy it, if I, even if I find forty-five there. And again he spoke to him and said, Suppose forty are found there. And he answered, For the sake of forty I will not do it. And then he said, O oh, let not the Lord be angry, and I will speak. Suppose thirty are found there. And he answered, I will not do it if I find thirty there. And he said, Behold, I have undertaken to speak to the Lord. Suppose twenty are found there. And he answered, For the sake of twenty, I will not destroy it. And then he said, Well, let not the Lord be angry, and I will speak again but this once. Suppose ten are found there. And he answered, For the sake of ten, I will not destroy it. And the Lord went his way. And when he had finished speaking to Abraham, and Abraham then returned to his place. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be to God. How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news, who publish peace and bring good news of salvation. Their voice has gone out to all the earth, and their words to the hands of the world. The epistle lesson from the second chapter of Paul's letter to the Colossians. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving, See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands, by putting off the body of the flesh, by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God, who raised him from the dead. And you, who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, 
having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands, this he set aside, nailing it to the cross. And he disarmed the rulers and the authorities, and he put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We continue with the singing of the hymn of preparation for the gospel. St. Luke, the 11th chapter. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, give us each day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us, and lead us not into temptation. And he said to them, Which of you has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, Do not bother me. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because of his friend, yet because of his impudence he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened unto you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? This is the Gospel of the Lord. Together we confess our holy Christian faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven 
and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.
Grace and peace be yours from God the Father and our Lord Christ. Our text this morning is the Gospel reading, which begins this way. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Friends in our Lord Jesus, there's wisdom in that request. Lord, teach us to pray. Perhaps far more wisdom than that disciple, unnamed disciple, ever would know. He may not even have been trying to be wise and asking Christ for instruction in prayer because you see it was customary at the time for rabbis to teach their particular pupils, their disciples, those who followed them, a particular pattern or a particular way or particular things for which to pray. That's why the disciple, it's likely why he said, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples to pray. Lord, teach us to pray. There's still a world of wisdom in that request, that we would ask the Son of God to teach us the things for which we are to pray. Now, at first thought, you might wonder to yourself, do we really need to be taught to pray? After all, it likely is, or perhaps it is for you, a daily and an ordinary custom, morning, noon, and night. But consider... More often than not, isn't it the case that the immediate needs of the day, the things that are most on our minds at that particular time and moment, those things that weigh most heavily upon us there, they're the things for which we pray. Are they not? And there's not necessarily anything wrong with that. But for what things would God have us pray? What things does he consider so highly needful for us that he would place them on our lips And fix them in our minds by saying, when you pray, say, we call it the Lord's Prayer. Not because he once prayed it himself. There's no record of Christ ever praying this prayer for himself. But we call it the Lord's Prayer because our Lord composed it for us. And he not only composed it for us, but he even suffers that prayer to be so misused and abused by us throughout life and thoughtless and often rote repetition of it. And yet he suffers it so that by it he might ever teach us to pray. And what does he teach you? With the very first word that he places on your lips, Father, or in Matthew's version, Our Father. The prayer begins with the clear and full ring of gospel tone. Because consider of all of the titles that could be attributed to God, Almighty God, Creator, Highest and Most Holy God, God of infinite justice and love, all true, all good titles for God, of all of these, Christ chooses for us a title of intimate familiarity, of family. In simply giving us the word Father. From word one, we're compelled as we pray to remember that it's only by the kind favor of God that you and I can address Him in a word that belongs exclusively to sons or daughters. good for us to remember that. Paul reminded us of that last week in the epistle reading, that we're not sons and daughters by birth, natural birth anyway. Remember what he said last week? We're we're by nature alienated, he said, from God, hostile to him by our natural born condition. This week in the, the, the epistle reading, how does Paul put it? That once we were dead, in trespasses and sins, not living sons and daughters of the living God. Now for you, that having been in that condition, it may have been so long ago, dead in trespasses that you can, can barely even or not even remember it, because it was back in your infancy that buried with Christ in baptism, God there made you alive together with Christ, first forgiving you of all of your sin. Though maybe that was not so long ago for you. So that you remember that day well when you were 
translated, transferred, as he said in the epistle reading of last week, from the domain of darkness into the kingdom of the Son of his love. Maybe, though, you're still there in that natural-born condition, having never been baptized into Christ. Or perhaps since the time that baptismal faith was born within you, maybe for whatever your reasons, you've cast away your inheritance. And you've thrown away your sonship. And you've returned to that faraway land of prodigal sons by persisting in things that the Father considers so wrong. Perhaps you've disowned him. Christ would have us all repent. And he'd have us all take upon our lips in prayer the name that he's given us to use in calling upon his Father, the name Father. For you see that record of debt that stood against a world of prodigal sons, Debt that separated us from Father. There's no debt between fathers and sons. That, that record of debt that stood against a world of prodigals. And you know what your record has said. It has been, as Paul put it in the epistle reading, canceled. The Father set it aside, having nailed it to the cross of His only begotten. Elsewhere in Scripture, Paul puts it this way. So well, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive adoption, he writes, as sons. And because he says you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Do you realize here? That by bidding us, not just suggesting that we do, but by bidding us call upon God as Father, that Jesus is affirming your sonship. Not only is he affirming it, but he's making you with your own lips affirm that sonship. No matter how long and how far the prodigal road had been. And so as Martin Luther would explain it with this first word, Father, God tenderly invites us to believe that he is our true father and we are his true children. So that with all boldness and confidence, we may ask him as dear children would bound up upon the lap of their papa and ask their dear father. Father, we pray, hallowed be thy name. Now of all the things, right? Of all the things that he could have placed first, Christ places this on our lips and in our minds above all other things that his name, that God's name be kept holy. You and I don't accomplish that. In fact, his name, like a a precious gemstone, it's precious and priceless of itself, no matter if it's kept up high upon a shelf for all to be seen, whether it's worn with pride and dignity as is befitting it, or whether it's kicked around in the dirt and trampled underfoot. A diamond is still a diamond. His name is his name. Holy. But you see, we don't always keep it holy in our use, do we? And so we're here taught to pray that his name be kept holy, that it be kept set apart, sacred, among us as we use it in our lives, in our homes, in our church. How is that done? Well, it's simple. God does it. He keeps his own name holy and set apart in our midst when every time a pastor steps into the pulpit and preaches that which is true, rightly applying it to you, rightly dividing the law and the gospel. God keeps his name holy whenever that pastor proclaims that our sins, though they be many, are forgiven because of Christ's atoning work. God's name's kept holy when we'd call upon it in our day and hour of trouble, not kick it around in the dirt of profanity. His name's kept holy among us when when we, by His grace, as Paul put it today in the epistle reading, when we continue to walk in Christ as we've received Him. His name's kept holy 
as we live, as we're enabled to live in ways befitting of sons and daughters of God. It's kept holy when even though we do fail to live as we should, it's, it, it's kept holy when God's grace picks us up, dusts us off, declares us to be forgiven, assures us that we are forgiven sons and, and daughters of God, enables us to amend our ways, and compels us not to, to look behind us, but to turn our focus ahead and press on to what lies ahead. God's name's kept holy when we're kept rooted in and built up in the, in the apostolic, the true faith. By instruction in his word here. As it's preached to you in our Bible classes that are offered on Sunday and throughout the week. His name's kept holy when, when God moves parents to teach their toddling children to form the name of Jesus on their lips. His name's kept holy when the Lord's precious prayer is taught to small sons and daughters in the glow of a nightlight, in the bedtime hours, that they might learn it and use that prayer. God's name's kept holy among us when the compassion and the loving direction of, a, of the Heavenly Father is taught by the actions and loving direction of an earthly father to his teenage son over the smashed front fender of the borrowed family car, of ourselves. By ourselves, his name would not be kept holy, but be brought shame. But for our good, we pray that God keep his name holy among us, and he does, doesn't he? And hand in hand with that foremost request, our Lord teaches us to pray, and Lord, thy kingdom come. Thanks be to God that he sends it far more faithfully and frequently than we ever ask him to send it. But you know, the kingdom for which we pray is probably not the one that we so often look for. As we await that visible end time coming of Christ's kingdom of glory, we pray here that regularly that he'd send the kingdom of his quiet grace, that it would continue to come riding lowly as it does, riding silently and lowly unto his Jerusalem upon his humble means of grace, that kingdom. We pray that these means of grace in this petition, that they'd continue to exist purely among us, that his means of grace would be used by us diligently so that we might be enabled to continue to believe in him. Jesus, you see, said the kingdom of God comes not with observation in a showy and flashy way, but he said, for indeed the kingdom of God is within you. And that kingdom comes silently within you, among us, through this word as it's heard. As you consider it, as you take it home and mull it over. That kingdom comes when baptismal water cascades over the head of an infant. And even though all you hear is water falling into water, and the sound of a pastor's voice, Still, at that moment, faith is born in that little one. And heaven's gates are flung open wide. And all the angels and saints and martyrs above rejoice. As silently, the kingdom grows by one. The kingdom comes. And the people of the kingdom quietly are built up when, when we, the citizens of heaven... Under the cover of rugged earthly infirmity, hobble up to this altar as we do. This Lord's table dragging our broken bodies and our broken lives. And there we're heartened again for the road ahead. As here we come face to flesh and blood with our King, our Lord. I think it's fair to say that this often isn't our highest priority, is it? As we kneel or bow our head in prayer, but thank God that he's placed it there upon our lips. Seek first, he says, the kingdom of God 
And His righteousness that comes through these things and all needful things He promises will be added unto you, including your daily bread. So Luke records next, give us each day our daily bread. Be assured of it. Having reconciled the whole world to Himself in Christ, God's going to give daily bread. What does He say in Matthew? He says, He makes His sun rise on the evil and on the good. He sends His rain on the the fields of the just and the unjust but we so often don't receive what he sends with a grateful heart do we but yet with grumbling we we reach out and and take what he gives sometimes we think it too little for us other times we think it all too much for us lord do we forget though who gives it He's our Father. And as he said, if earthly fathers, if you or mothers know how to give good things to your sons and daughters, how much more will our Father in heaven give to us in good measure? And just like the wisdom of a father that doesn't necessarily entrust everything that he has to give to his son or daughter at one time, And leave it up to him or her to handle it all the rest of his days. So too Christ teaches us to to pray not for, for annual bread or even weekly bread. But what does he say? Daily bread. For what better words could he place on our lips in order that thereby he would teach us to rely on him day to day. Just like his Old Testament pilgrims, right? Who couldn't store up manna for the next day, could they? It would rot and waste away. They had to trust that he was going to send them bread every day. And he did. Until the day they crossed the Jordan into the promised land. And so, thank God for the food on your plate today. And the shirt on your back today. For the good weather and the good crop that yields daily bread. The good government that protects the honest sale of it. For the good neighbors that allow you to eat it in peace. For the health of body it provides you. And if your Father's hand to you seems to afford you too little. If it ever seems to be more closed to you than open. Then consider those ravens. They neither sow nor reap any harvest do they. They have neither storehouse nor barn, nor pension plan or 401k. And yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you who are unable to call him father than they? And maybe it's because we neither hallow his name first of all in our minds or ask for the coming of his kingdom or perhaps it's because that we so often begrudgingly receive that daily bread whichever the reason maybe one of those two probably one of those two is the reason why our Lord places on our lips next these words and forgive us our sins as we forgive everyone indebted to us here Christ would emboss the cross on our praying lips and in our praying mind. Luther, you might remember in his small catechism, explains this so well when he says, we pray here that our Father in heaven wouldn't look on our sins nor deny our prayer because of them. We're neither worthy of these things for which we pray nor have we deserved them. But we ask that he'd give them all to us by grace for he says we daily sin much and we do. That's true. But this is also true. That St. John writes that God loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. So that we can be assured that our sin is forgiven, that He hears our prayer. And then John goes on to say this, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Doesn't that bring to your mind the story that Jesus told of that man who was called to account by his master for 10,000 talents? Now, I don't know if you know conversion rates of antiquity. 
But a talent was the equivalent of 15 years' wages. And if you do the math, he was in debt 150,000 years worth of wages. It's a debt impossible to pay. But as Jesus tells it, the master, full of compassion, full of compassion, he canceled that man's debt. Now going out from there, debt-free, that man comes across a friend of his who owed him just 30 days wages, a pittance in comparison. And though this man had seen before his own eyes the record of debt that stood against him canceled, absolved, let's call it. He held his fellow servant to account. Forgive us our sins as we forgive everyone indebted to us. If God so loved us, we also, would we not also so love one another? Friends, Christ bids you call on him as Father. He hallows his name among us even when we don't ask him to. He sends his kingdom through his means of grace. His hand is open to ensure us even of the daily things. He forgives you all of your sins, cancels the enormity of your debt, and then leads us to bear the same disposition toward others. How the devil would love for you to doubt it. Or even doubt it in part. And so that's why our Lord concludes this version of the prayer that as he gives it in Luke by placing lastly on our lips an appeal to our first and last line of defense. Father, lead us not into temptation. You'll be tempted to doubt it all. You'll be tempted to doubt that you should call him by the name Father. Or that you deserve that his kingdom would come among you. You'll be tempted to doubt, but not by God. Scripture says God tempts no one. Friends, if anyone can preserve you and protect you from what Luther would here call false belief or despair, or other shame and vice, then it's the one that we're to call Father. It's his son. It's their spirit. And when the tempter would draw his bow back or reach into his bag to to fill his sling with an accusation that he'd hurl against you, then remind him what you heard today, that it's written that Christ has disarmed him. He's disarmed all principalities and powers, triumphing over them on his cross. There's no charge left to sling, no accusation left to hurl. Friends, it's perhaps the first prayer learned by the lips of children. It's no doubt among the last of prayers prayed by the lips of aged and dying saints. All life long, Lord, teach us this prayer to pray. In his name, Amen. We stand and sing the final verse.
we know how to give good gifts to our children, surely our Heavenly Father will give us all good things that he knows that we need. And so as his dear children would ask their dear Father, let us pray to our Father which is in heaven. We pray. For lives filled with gratitude that we who by our sins have deserved no less than Sodom and Gomorrah, but that our merciful Father has spared us because there is one who is holy and righteous in our place. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For minds that will not be taken captive by the philosophies and the deceptions of this world, but instead are eager to hear the word of the Spirit that testifies to Christ, who has perfectly fulfilled for us the will of the Father, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For God's church throughout the world, and especially our synod, that pastors would declare the whole counsel of God and pay careful attention to themselves and to the flocks over which the Holy Spirit has made them overseers, that your people would be kept safe from all that would harm them, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For hearts that are compassionate and in Christ's name desire to help the widow and the widower and the orphans and the weak, and all who are unable to care for themselves, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, Lord have mercy. For our daily battle against sin and the troubled minds struggled with doubt and temptation and guilt that the Holy Spirit would give us Christ's strength to resist Satan and would give us the grace needed to know that he who disarmed evil at the cross has power to overcome it still. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, Lord have mercy. For faithfulness in prayer, which calls upon our Father in his mercy, so that his name is hallowed by what we teach and confess, and so that his kingdom comes as through his word and sacraments he sustains us and converts those who do not yet believe, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, Lord have mercy. For our nation and for those who lead us, that our Father would grant wisdom to our President and Congress and the courts of our land, and protect us at home from all who have no regard for our laws, and abroad from all who would do us harm, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For all who are sick or are undergoing treatments of any kind, for those preparing for or recovering from surgery, for the aged among us who are infirmed, that our Heavenly Father would strengthen their faith and provide for their needs in the way that he knows best, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For all who recognize the daily bread with which our Heavenly Father has nourished them, and especially Clyde and Margie Fraser, who thank him for the daily blessings that he has provided them during their 43 years together as husband and wife, the Lord, and pray that, they would, that he would continue to enable us to recognize his daily gifts and receive our daily bread with thanksgiving, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For hearts that are grateful for those who confess the faith boldly before us. And today especially for the life and the confession of St. James, the Apostle of our Lord, who received the blade of the sword while confessing his faith in Christ, that we would have the courage to confess Christ boldly in our generation. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Into your hands, dear Father, we commend then ourselves and all those for whom we pray, trusting in your mercy through your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, who has taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. God, we have again worshipped in your presence and received both forgiveness for our many sins in the assurance of your love in Jesus Christ, 
We thank you for this undeserved grace, and we ask you to keep us in the faith until with all your saints we inherit eternal salvation through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Receive now the benediction of the Lord. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Amen. Amen.